0: Okay, Alan, you've got something on your mind what what are we doing?
1: Do you remember in the first karate kid movie where this boy is being trained, and the sage is having him do the most wild things, like paint wax, the fence, wax his car, paint the fence, yeah, and it's like <laughs> there's no interpretation, and so the karate kid starts to get a little irritated and lose hope until yeah. he realizes. Okay later in the movie, these are the exact moves. I've been in training for something that I didn't even realize. And that is a great picture of how my life has been lately. I feel like I have been in training. God's somehow trying to initiate me, but until I understand what it means, it's easy to get taken out, feel irritated, just think life is hard.
0: So you're going to tell some stories and then we're going to riff on that.
1: And I'll show you some karate moves.
0: (laughs) Great. Wax on, (laughs) wax off. All right, here we go. Let's pray. Jesus, we consecrate our studio to you. We consecrate today's recording. We consecrate our hearts, consecrate our minds, we consecrate our lives to you. Jesus, come and fill today, come and fill this recording. Take us to those things that our people need. Take us to those very things our listeners need. We pray that your spirit would guide and shepherd and direct this. Open their hearts, open ours, open our ears, all of us, to what you're saying to us today. And so we bring the kingdom of God here now and the authority of Christ over the studio, over our recording, over the day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, welcome to the Ransomed Heart podcast. Wanted you to just hear a little bit of the studio chat this morning in our prayer so that you could kind of dial in and hear where we're headed and pray with us into that. But before we jump in, I want to remind us of kind of the the conviction of the direction of the Ransomed Heart Podcast. And it goes like this. This is a brutal time to be a human being. The pace of life, the spiritual war on the earth, the rise of evil, just the amount of media and demand and distraction coming our way. This is a brutal time to be a human being. And God cares about our humanity. He cares very deeply about your humanity, wants to restore and renew you. Wholeheartedness at this point is not an option. Maturity is not an option. It is your rescue and your joy and your safe place. And that is what we are opening our podcast with now just to say look we we don't want to dink around the important things you don't want to tinker with your life this is a a moment on the earth when strong souls are needed and where the perfect storm is this the perfect storm is that everything is set against strong souls so welcome back and we're just going to jump into the conversation now. Okay, buddy. So back to you now. This was this was on your heart. You must have...
1: Something's been going on? Yeah, well, actually, John... Tell when, me some stories. When you mentioned a couple of podcasts ago about how you want to begin each podcast, and this isn't a season to dink around, and it's not a time to take the the, the things that we face now there's a maturity that needs to be a part of our lives. And it's not a, it's not a pressure for perfection, and it's not that we're always gonna come through and, and no. get it perfect. But it had me thinking about, when are the times that I'm most taken out? And usually in my life, those times are when life just seems hard. Yep. And there doesn't seem to be an arc to the story, or there doesn't seem to be a noticeable reason why it's hard. I don't feel like I'm blowing it. I don't feel like I'm causing it. But life is just hard. And that got me thinking. Usually, I get excited when God has an invitation for me. When I know what's coming up, or he invites me into something, I get, I get pretty excited of what's ahead. But the problem comes in when I don't know, and and it just feels heavy. And so what I wanted to talk about today with you is just this, this sense of what I'm learning, which is when I look at those times, the hard times, the challenging times as God's initiation, that changes how I go through them. And that prepares me actually for whatever the invitation is. I don't, we don't get to know what the invitation is ahead of time. We simply get to know that we're going through life being initiated as sons and as daughters. And at Ransomed Heart, we talk a lot about initiation, about masculine initiation. What I'm talking about today is more of a father's initiation, male or female, son or daughter.
0: And and so in this context, by initiation, you mean preparation?
1: Preparation for what's ahead. I mean the forming of our character. I mean the... um, God rising us up, growing us up in different ways. and And I've just realized when I don't understand that that's happening, it's easy to check out or to just kind of hunker down until that season's over. and And I miss what He has for me, or I step into it far later than I would have needed to. and i'll go, I'll give you a years ago story and then a current story. But years ago, I first started seeing this.
0: So I just want to clarify, just from my own. So if this is about the invitation into maturity, these
1: are stories of immaturity? (laughs) Yes, (laughs) they're stories. Yeah. So a big one for me, one of the biggest turning points I had was when I was in the publishing world, before I came to Ransomed Heart, and at that time, I was trying to build a kingdom. And I was in that world for 20 years, and about 10 years into it, it felt like the kingdom was pretty substantial, and it was growing, was successful, and it was going really well. And then... You were a VP,
0: for heaven's sakes. You, you had yeah. tons of people reporting oh, to you.
1: I had a large staff. I had a big budget. We got to work with some of the top authors, Christian authors in the industry, and it was what I felt like I had been training for, and now... I had been given the keys of that kingdom and wanted to do it well. But one day, my boss at that time asked me to go to lunch. And I thought, man, he's, he's probably going to give me a promotion. Like, we have been hitting it out of the park. And John, in that meeting, my boss said, before I even had the first bite, I, like we sat down with sandwiches at this deli. I had the sandwich in my hand. I'm going to take a bite. And he said, hey, Alan, let me just start with something do you know that everybody on your team, all 16 people, think you're a complete jerk? And he used some stronger language than that that I won't use here. But like the sandwich just stayed in place. And I probably just froze like that for about 30 seconds because it was so disruptive. And John, that started a conversation of him saying, the only reason people stay on your team and stay with you is because you're, you're successful, but nobody likes your presence. You're a hard driver. You, you push people to the limits. You don't really care how they're doing. You don't really engage with them on a friend level. You are maxing them out. And then when they burn out, you're moving on and nobody wants to be around you, but they do want to be a part of a successful thing. So they're staying. Did you know that? And I had, I had no idea. And that was this moment where I sensed I can either move against that, tell them, Hey, I'm going to just let go of of the whole team. I'll just rebuild it all. If that's their attitude, they're gone. Or I can look inward. And thankfully in that moment, which was rare for that season of my life, I just sensed God asking me, what kind of man do you want to be? And that started one of the hardest years of my life, which was a year of introspection. It was a year of letting go of all of these things that I thought bind me, made me, brought me comfort, and, and it was an initiation period. And, you know, that was the first time in my life I realized I'm being prepared for something, and in the moment, it feels like everything is falling apart. Everything that had worked is being pulled out from under me. The boss I worked for and was delivering these great results is telling me, basically, you're failing. The team doesn't want my presence. And I had built my world around that. I was working probably 60 hours a week. I mean, that was my kingdom. And it was starting to crumble at a time when I thought it was about to just thrive for for the future. So that brought me into this concept of the hardest year of my life is actually not hard just because I blew it, did blow it, but it's not hard because of that. There's more. God is preparing me for something if if I will allow myself to be humbled, brought down, and then built up again into something new and something more true.
0: Okay, that just makes me think of Hebrews 12. My son, my daughter, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he disciplines every son and daughter he accepts. So Paul goes on to say, endure hardship as a kind of discipline or training or what you're saying is a kind of preparation, right? Yes. God is treating you as sons and daughters. God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his character. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, right? Right. I mean, you're still holding the sandwich. Right. Right? Sitting in the deli. <laughs> I bet you never finished that sandwich, too. It never got eaten. Yeah. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest for those who have been trained by it. So the idea being this is headed somewhere. Right. This isn't meaningless. This isn't purposeless. Even if it's connected to you kind of screwing up. Right. Still, God is in it. God is working. I just think that idea that it's not meaningless is huge. Just that that's one of like the big ideas that's coming to me yes. in what you're saying yes. today is if you think there's meaning to it, you think there's purpose, right, and even kindness in it, however awful it may be, right, then that reframes your expectations or it reframes your
1: what? when you sense God's purpose in it, I think then it's the beginning spark of of what's possible because there's hope. And John, like in that story, I didn't know, I, I thought I would be doing that same job, just rising higher and higher for the next decade or two. Mm. Like I, I was in the marketing department and I just thought that's the best case scenario. So I'm here, I'm doing well, I'm going to just Ride it hard and keep going and keep rising up. Well, what I didn't know was within a year, about a year later, God actually brought me into a situation where I could pursue something I loved far more, which was I loved story. And he invited me, God invited me to become a fiction publisher. There wasn't even that role in the company. So I couldn't have looked on an org chart and said, This is what I want. It didn't even exist. Mm. And then As I was talking to the head of all the publishing groups about a year later and was telling my love of story, said, Alan, why don't you start that division? Well, it took the prior year of refining me becoming a new man to be able to carry that mantle with integrity because all of a sudden I had a much larger team and now I was overseeing not marketing campaigns, but the creations of. Over time, like 50, 60 authors. And so it required more. And if that conversation hadn't happened in the deli a year before. Yeah, yeah,
0: I hear you. This is big. This is big. Just the idea that I am not
1: yet ready
0: for the things that God wants me to step into. Right. I'm thinking about what God says to Israel before they go in and take the promised land. And I would often use this with clients when I was a therapist. God says, I will not give you the land all at once because you are not strong enough to handle it. He literally says, little by little, then all at once. So you go, which is it? Is it little by little or is it all at once? And he says, no, exactly. Little by little, then all at once. Wow. And he says, you need to be strengthened as a people in order to handle the things that I have for you. Right, right. And so this is the process you're describing. Now that was, that was your immaturity, 25 years ago. Give me a fresh story.
1: Yeah, a fresh story is, this is what like is today and has been the last few months. There has been so much, I feel like chaos around my world, not necessarily around what I do at Ransomed Heart, but at home, with family, extended family. I've got my stepdad is 90 years old and. He's been in the hospital right. now, uh, it's going on three months, and it started with an infection, and and then they cured the infection, but then his body was too weak to get up. And, right. and before that, he and my mom lived in the house I grew up in. I mean, they were doing really pretty well, and then everything shifted. It's been a very chaotic situation for them. Um, there's other things going on in my world where, I found myself, John, just losing heart and thinking, like, I'm not causing any of this, but I'm not getting to replenish in the ways I want. And I found myself getting a little irritated at God because it seemed purposeless. A little. <laughs> and Just a little. Just a little. And so I found myself having to go back to, okay, Alan, but God is a God of intimate purpose. And he is always fathering us. Mm. And so what is going on here? Mm. And I think once we start asking those questions, John, we can start connecting a few dots. For instance, I'm a writer. I am writing my second book. My second book is on how to overcome chaos. <laughs> okay. I ding. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. So you decided
0: to write a book on chaos. Did you really think that your life was going to somehow steer clear my dear friend from chaos? It's why I never wanted to write a book on marriage, right? (laughs) But you did. Oh, I know. And we paid for it. It's like, oh, man, the year that we wrote Love and War, I thought our marriage was good. I thought things were fine. Ugh. God had to do things in us, right? So, okay. So you're in chaos and you're writing about chaos.
1: I'm writing about chaos. And I've already decided my next book will be on rest, probably in Hawaii. Yes, Um, And I'll spend a few years writing that one. But this one is on how to overcome all that overwhelms us. And I'm about 80% through. But as I backed up, then yes, I started realizing a, a lot of the chaos began as I entered into this. And now it feels like a period of refinement and of testing, John. And and what I sense God saying is your initiation in this is learning how to be a source of calm in the chaos. Mm. And And as I look back at my life, when things get chaotic, I would— Try to out chaos chaos. I, w- I would become more chaotic, and try to and try to fix it that way, and it never worked. It of course never works. But chaos would get me more riled up, and I would always look back and go, "Wish I had handled that differently." Mm. So I feel like right now a very current thing. It's not the story is in process, but I feel like in my life I'm learning. God's training me. How to be calm in the chaos. So I had a two hour phone call last night that was pretty disruptive with an extended family member. And it would have been I I know I would have within those two hours the old me become more and more chaotic. Blown it up. Tried to control it, tried to force it. Yep. And I went into it knowing, okay, in this season, God, you're training me. And here this is this is a live opportunity for you to shape me. And it ended in love and it ended in calm that I brought. And so it shifts when you start to know what God is up to, or or at least know, I don't know what's coming, but I know what I'm supposed to be mastering now.
0: Yep. Okay. So I'm curious what's going on inside our listeners right now. you're, You're listening to Alan's story, but just like any time you're listening to anybody's story, you're also thinking about your own, and it's not about chaos. might be about chaos. It's not about chaos. It, it's about the idea that God is at work to prepare us for the things ahead. And so what is he after? What is he up to? What is he surfacing? This is an hour where wholeheartedness is not an option, maturity is not an option. And and he is calling his sons and daughters into a, a more wholehearted integration where more of us belongs to more of him. And here you've got the guy who used to blow up situations now heading in the direction of, I want to be the guy that brings calm right. into situations. So I'm just curious, listener, like what What is this surfacing in you? What are you thinking about in your story? What's going on? What's not going well? How are you responding? And how might God be working in that? I actually think that's a great place to pause. Um, I love Nowen's phrase years ago. He said, answers before there are questions do damage to the soul. You know, we're, especially in the evangelical church, we're so quick to get to answers. You know, I think it's a squirrel, but I'll say Jesus. (laughs) Like, we're so quick to get to, here's the formula, here's the answer, here's Alan's point, here are the three steps to get there. But instead, the idea of my current life, does it feel meaningful or does it feel, what the heck? Why is this going on? I don't get it. God, you know. Right. Notice your reaction. Notice wh- where is he surfacing things, and we just kind of invite Christ into that. This week, we're gonna get to part two, but I don't want to rush to process answers, procedure. They kind of linger with the, uh, huh? God might be preparing me or something? Yeah. So, we'll be back next time with part two.